Right, today's reading is from Ezekiel chapter 37, and if you have a church Bible, it is in page 707, and it'll be behind me on the screen. And it's chapter 37, verse 1 to 14. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open up, open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Good morning. Hello, everyone. My name is Scott. I'm the pastor here at Trinity Church, Paraka. I'm glad to be with you this morning. Um, have you heard the saying that there's two kinds of people in the world? There's this or that, and you're one of them. You heard that right before, right? Yeah. We're going to do a little bit of that this morning, get to know each other a bit. So here we go. There's two types of people in the world, which are you? Are you the kind of person who you're, you have your email inbox and it's completely decluttered, there's about no unread emails there, or are you the kind of person with hundreds and thousands of unread emails there? Which are you? That, 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 that know, that you've read all your emails, it's completely kept? A few of those? And what about hundreds and thousands of unread emails? There we go. Now we know who not to send an email to, right? Are you the kind of person who's a tea person or a coffee person? Tea? And coffee? Oh, a few more. We're addicted to caffeine, aren't we? At this, okay, all right. Um, what about, uh, are you a morning person or a night person? So morning? Yeah, get up early, get started. Night person, night owls? There's a few of them as well. Here's one that's going to divide you pretty severely. When we have pizza, are you pineapple or no pineapple? Pineapple? Yes, and no pineapple? Oh, sorry, guys. You guys are in the minority there. Uh, are you a winter person or summer person? So winter, summer, 
Yeah, summer, summer. Bring it up. <laughs> well, you've got to choose one or the other. There's only two kinds of people, Meredith. Um, here's a more serious one, though. Are you the kind of person who, who, who loves change, who thrives when things are different? Or, or are you the kind of person who generally likes things to stay the same and just float along? So love change? We've got it all right. We've got a few of them. Yeah, okay, and only a few. What about if you love things staying the same? There you go. A lot more loving things staying the same. Well, I've got some bad news for you this morning then, friends, uh, because today things are changing and things are changing massively. Um, Ezekiel's message is about to change big time. Uh, at church here, as we've said already this morning, we've been going through this book of Ezekiel. Um, it's written by a guy called Ezekiel. No surprise, he's a Jewish guy. Uh, and, but he's not living in the land where the Jews had lived. In, in 597, he was taken from Judah to Babylon as an exile, along with about 10,000 others. And while he was there in Babylon, God called this man, Ezekiel, to be a prophet. And, and that's what we have in, in the Bible book called Ezekiel. It's, it's Ezekiel's prophecy. Now, at the end of last week, I was talking with Annalise, um, and we were, we were saying, yeah, it's, it's, about Ezekiel, there's just been so much judgment in the book so far. We've covered really 32 chapters of Ezekiel already, and mostly it's entirely been about judgment. And it seems, as we're saying, Annalise and I were saying, it seems so uh, monotonous. It just keeps going on and on relentlessly. Judgment, judgment. But today we come to chapter 33, and friends, there is a change. In chapter 33, we hear that judgment has come. Jerusalem, in chapter 33, we're told, the capital city for the Jews, Jerusalem, has fallen. It had been under siege for the past 18 months, and then in 586, so about 11 years after Ezekiel was taken away, the Babylonian army uh, cracked through to the defenses of, of Jerusalem, and they destroyed the city completely. And now, there's not just 10,000 people who've been taken away in exile to Babylon. Now, virtually all of the Jews were taken into exile. And Ezekiel has been saying in the first 33 chapters, this was what God promised. This was the judgment God said would come. But then Ezekiel changes. His message changes. And even if you're someone who doesn't like change, this is actually a really good change. I reckon you will enjoy God had given Ezekiel a message of judgment, but from chapter 34 onwards, Ezekiel now speaks a new word. And he now speaks words of hope. So despite all that's happened in the past, all the sin of the Jews and the judgment of God, despite all of that, God now promises renewal. He tells the Jews he's going to renew everything. So for the next few minutes, I just want to walk through chapters 34 to 37 and show, show us what, what, what God promises to renew. So in chapter 34, God says he's going to renew the leadership of the nation. Now, uh, I won't go into too much detail here because we looked at this a number of weeks ago. But in chapter 34, God says that Israel's leaders, the, the, the leaders of the Jews, their shepherds had been bad shepherds. They hadn't cared for the flock or for, for the people. And so God says, I'm going to come, I'm going to judge those bad shepherds, and I'm going to be the good shepherd for my people. 
So in chapter 34, verse 11, this is what God says. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will, stretch, will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he's with them, so I will look after my sheep. I'll rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. It's all about renewed leadership in chapter 34. Then in chapter 35 and 36, God promises a renewed land. Now, living in this particular part of the land, excuse me, I think that's done now. Living, living in the land, the Jewish land, was really important for this nation of the Jews. This was the land that God had promised them. Uh, this was the land that was so tied up with their history and their identity. It was part of who they were. But now, remember, they're in exile. Jerusalem's been destroyed. The Babylonians have taken virtually all of the Jews into exile. And others are thinking, well, now they might come in and take this land instead. So in chapter 35, we hear about Edom. Edom is one of Judah's neighbors. And they want to come in, in chapter 35, and they want to take the land to be theirs. But God says, no, that is not going to happen. And in chapter 35, we read God, God says that Edom is going to be judged by him. And so in chapter 36, God says, the Jews will again come into the land and live in the mountains of Israel. So look at chapter 36, verse 8. But you, mountains of Israel, will produce branches and fruit for my people Israel, for they will soon come home. My nan and pop were farmers. And so when we were young kids, we used to go to their farm every July school holidays, and it was fantastic. We loved it. it was, you got to ride around on the motorbike, round up the sheep, and check out the cattle, all this fun stuff. I It was really good. But the older we got, the more Nan and Pop saved up a special job for when the grandkids were going to be around to help them with. And this was the job. We were there. When we were there, we used to cut out bathyspur out of the paddocks. There it is. These bathyspur, you can tell it's got those little kind of sharp spiky things that would get stuck in the wool, in the sheep's wool. And so when you shear the sheep and try to sell the wool, if it had all these burrs in it, it was worth less money. So what you had to do, you needed to go out there, take your hoe, and just chop up and chop and chop and chop until you got all rid of all this bathus burr. And then the paddock was ready for the sheep to come in. It's kind of like what God is promising here in Ezekiel. He's getting the land ready for his people so his people can come back in. It's the promise of a renewed land. And then in the second part of chapter 36, God promises to renew his people. So the whole reason why they got kicked out of their land was their sin. And now God is promising to bring them back into the land, but what happens if they sin again? What's to stop them from doing the same thing again and again? And, well, where does that leave them? Do you know that song, um, What Should We Do With a Drunken Sailor? You probably know the first verse asking, what, what do you do with a drunken sailor early in the morning? But do you know the rest of the song? The rest of the song gives you all sorts of options of things that you could do with this drunken sailor. <clears throat> you could put him in the longboat till he's sober. Now, long boats are the small little rowboats, and the idea is you put the drunken sailor in there and let him trail behind the main ship. That way you don't have to worry about him until he's 
sobe it up. Or, another verse, you could stick him in the scuppers with a hose pipe on him. Now, I didn't know what a scupper was, but apparently it's a part of the ship that you put someone in, and that, you don't, sorry, you don't put someone in there, but it's a part of the ship that lets the water out. And the idea, if you put the drunken sailor in there, it's like kind of hosing him down, trying to sober him up that way. Or, here's another option, you give him a dose of salt and water. That was how they used to try and induce vomiting, right? Um, and, well, that's one way to get the alcohol out of the stomach, right? But what's the problem with all of these options? Whichever one you choose, it might fix the problem for now, this morning. But who's to say that the, that same sailor won't get drunk the next night? And then tomorrow morning, you just end up back where you started again. That's the problem in Ezekiel here too. Sure, God can bring his people back into the land and he can be the shepherd who cares for them. But who's to say that they aren't going to sin all over again and stuff it up all over again? And what then? They've got to go back to exile? But God promises to renew his people. So, so look at this. This is chapter 36, verse 24. God's speaking. He says, For I will take you out of the nations. I'll gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle you. I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you'll be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. God's going to, to wash them. It's, it's, it's like a ritual cleansing to, to get rid of the filth from the past. But it goes deeper than that. Verse 26. God's, God says, I... I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. It's not just an external cleansing, a washing on the, on the outside. There's an internal change going on too, right? This is a, it's a change of heart. God sending his spirit. This is God renewing his people. So there'll be no need for them ever to be kicked out of the land. Again, they will live there as God's people and they won't stuff up like they did before. It's beautiful, isn't it? But then God goes on in chapter 37. This is the part that Jacob read out for us early on where God promises to renew the nation, not just people, but the nation as a whole. See, in exile, essentially, they are a dead nation the Jews. Ezekiel describes them as dry bones. So the thing about it, it's not just a decomposing body that's kind of wasting away. That'd be bad enough. No, this one, has, this one has decomposed to the point that there's just bones there now. And not just any bones, but like dry bones. Right? They're as, as, as lifeless as you can get. But then God tells Ezekiel to speak. And the bones come back together and, and the muscle and the tendons and the flesh and the skin. And then God tells Ezekiel to, to, to speak again and the breath of life comes into them and, and they become a vast army. It's a renewed nation standing before God now. And then finally, in the second part of chapter 37, God promises a renewed unity. You might remember that Judah used to be part of a bigger nation. Israel was 12 tribes. And when they came into the land, they were one nation. But around the year 922, there was a split. 
the, the ten tribes to the north broke off and they became known as Israel. And that left two tribes down in the south, which were known as Judah, a split nation, a divided nation, a civil war. But here in chapter 37, God promises to renew the national unity. Ezekiel, if you go and read it, he's told to get two sticks and join them together, which is to symbolize the two nations coming back to be one. And God even says there, the great king of their past, King David, he will be the king of this nation again. So in verse 22, we read this. God says, I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. There'll be one king over all of them, and they'll never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms. A renewed unity. See, the big theme you're seeing here from chapter 34 to 37 is this a great renewal promised by God. The leadership renewed, the land renewed, the people, the nation, the unity, all renewed. And imagine for a moment being a Jew and being in exile and hearing Ezekiel speak this message. Imagine hearing him say these things. What are you, what are you thinking? I've got no idea how we're ever going to get there, but gee, doesn't that sound amazing? And it does. If you're a Jew living in exile, this is beyond your wildest dreams, what Ezekiel's saying. But here's the thing, friends. It never really happened. If you look through the history of the Jews, this, this, this great renewal, just it's just not there. They do go back into the land. In fact, if you were with us last year, you'll remember we worked through Ezra and Nehemiah when it talked about them coming back into the land. So they do go back into the land, but, but their leaders are still not all that good. There's a couple of good ones and a lot that disappoint. And there's no King David. There's no, there's no king like David. In fact, most of the time, other nations are still ruling over the Jews. And the people still sin. There's no great revival or renewal in the people. And there's no great reunification between Israel and Judah. In fact, by about this time, Israel has by and large disappeared. These promises to Ezekiel, they sound great. It's a wonderful hope that he prophesies about, but just doesn't really happen. You think, oh, what's going on here then? Is this a failure of God? Has God mucked things up? Maybe God lied here, just wanted to get their hopes up, but really he had no, no ability to do this. Maybe he just wasn't powerful enough. Or maybe he just kind of later on changed his mind and didn't want to go through with it fully. Or, or maybe it's a failure of Ezekiel. This shows us he's a false prophet. Like what he prophesied hasn't come about. So maybe we ought to get our Bibles and just tear out Ezekiel and, 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 and toss it in the bin. But no. There's something else going on here. In fact, the, the promises we see in Ezekiel here, they are God's promises, friends, to you. God is here, he is using ideas that are familiar to the Jews, things like land and kings and nations. God is, but, and God is using these ideas to talk about something even bigger than just what the Jews would experience. 
These are God's promises to you that you have through Jesus. So when we meet Jesus and we see what Jesus does, we see God fulfilling each one of these promises, each one of these promises of renewal. He fulfills them even to us today. What we read in Ezekiel is what God has done for you. So he promises a renewed leadership. Isn't that what we have? Friends, Jesus is your good shepherd. The one who cares for you, does good for you. Even at a cost to himself. Ezekiel talks about a renewed land. Friends, you know what Jesus is doing right this moment? He says he has gone to heaven to prepare a place for you. A place without sin and evil. A place that's, that, that's free from injustice and bloodshed. Ezekiel promises a great uh, a renewal of the people, a purification of them. In fact, actually, that's what Jesus has done for you. He's purified. He has cleansed you. So that, 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 that when it comes time, when God calls you to your heavenly home, you'll actually be ready to go there. You don't need to be worried about doing the wrong thing and getting kicked out again because Jesus has purified. He has cleansed you. Yes, you were spiritually dead, deader than dry bones, but Jesus has made you spiritually alive. He has put his spirit in you. So now you, you have a new life to live, even as you wait for your heavenly home. And friends, you know, this is not just for you. This is for all God's people from all four corners of the globe. And we kind of experience this in part each week in church when we get together and, and see people from all sorts of places. But, but even more so we'll see that when we get to heaven. Where God's people are joined to him and to each other for eternity, never to be split apart again. Do you see, friends, these promises in Ezekiel, they are your promises. God's promises to you in Christ. So soak this in. Let your heart rejoice over what Jesus has done for you. But there's one more thing I want us to notice from all of this in Ezekiel. Chapters 34 to 37, so many big promises that God makes for his people. How do those things come to be, these great promises of renewal? How, how does that take place? Is it because, well, the Jews happen to earn their way back into God's favor? Is it that the Jews, they really weren't that bad after all. That Maybe they had a little bit of punishment, but now that's over and so we can let the good times roll? No, no, it's got nothing to do with the Jews, actually. It's, it's got to do with what God does. All of this happens by the hand of God. So I won't go through these. We've got the references on the screen there if you want to look them up later. But, but God is the one who gets rid of the bad shepherds. And God is the one who makes David the king again. God is the one who will punish Edom and, and, and rid them from the land. God is the one who will bring back his people and give them the land. God is the one who purifies his people, cleansing them and giving them a new heart. God is the one to bring a nation back from the dead and make them alive again. God is the one who makes the two nations one again 
It's all by the hand of God. Not earned, not deserved, not worked for, simply out of God's generosity. Friends, this is what we call God's grace. And it is how God has acted towards us today too. Entirely by grace. So I talked about all these things that before these promises from Ezekiel are God's promises to us. Jesus is our shepherd, a heavenly home, all the rest of it. What have we done to deserve that? Why has God been so good to us? Because he has friends. It's not because we're worth it. You know, like really got to be so lucky to have us on team Jesus because gee, aren't we a good lot? No. It's not because we've earned it that that really, compared to everyone else, our lives are just so sparkly and clean. And we're, we're dang good, aren't we? No. And we've done nothing to deserve God's goodness to us. And we could do nothing. This is utterly, entirely by God's grace to us. That's what makes it so amazing. And I reckon, actually, if you've been around for churches, even if you've been around for churches, just the smallest part of your life, you've probably heard this before. You know, God's grace, you don't earn it. It's just a gift. Yep. Got it, understand. But I'm actually convinced that this is one of the things that we need to keep coming back to again and again. Because it is so central to what we believe. But also because grace is such an unnormal thing. What's normal in this world is that I get what I deserve. But grace means I get what I don't deserve. It is unnormal. So um, let me tell you, let me illustrate with my life and I'll see if this, this, this rings true for you. When I notice sin in my life, can you guess what I tend to do? Well, let me tell you. I start to question that maybe, you know, God's had enough of me now. I know he's, he's, he's patient and he's kind and he has been so patient with me, but Maybe this time it's just the straw that broke the camel's back. It's just it's too much. And God's going to say, enough. Scott Westwood, cross his name out. That's, what, that's so, so often what I do when I notice sin in my life. Are you the same? Is that you too? Do you sometimes wonder that? On one level, we, we know it's not true, right? We know it's entirely by God's grace, but, but we find ourselves asking this question because grace is so unnormal in this world. And honestly, if I were in God's shoes, I probably would have given up on me a long time ago. But of course, God, God isn't like me, is he? His grace goes on and on, and it never stops. Things never depended on me. It was always about God's grace. From the first day I put my faith in Jesus, right up until the day I die, it's always about God's grace. So friends, I want to end today then, not with a list of things to do, not with um, a big change I'm going to ask you to make, but just something I want to urge you to remember, and that is God's grace. Friends, remember how generous God has been to you. But take time to reflect on this. Let your mind soak it in. 
there is nothing better that, that you could hear about. Nothing better for you to, to meditate on and fill your mind up with. Nothing better for you to base your life on than the grace of God. Perhaps this is why we have actually so many songs, Christian songs that reflect on God's grace, remind us of his grace. You think about it, so the big one, right? amazing grace, amazing grace. How sweet that sound that saved a wretch like me. It truly is, isn't it? Amazing. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. There isn't, is it? What more can God give? There's nothing. He's given everything all by grace. So to end today, we're going to uh, stand and sing a song together. Ben's going to come on up. Another song that reflects on God's grace to us. This one's called Grace Alone. I want to invite you to stand as we remind ourselves through this song of God's grace to us. Let's sing it together.